0: It's giving people that opportunity to realize, okay, there is a way through this.
1: Okay, welcome back to the Marketing Playbook presented by Details Interactive. Here, you'll take away three game-winning marketing plays every episode to take back to your team. I'm your host, Mark Friedman, and my career has been focused on direct-to-consumer marketing, direct mail, physical retail, and digital commerce. This is episode number eight, and today's guest is Patty Steele. patty has been a legend in New York City radio for more than three decades. Before we get started, a quick thank you, as always, to Max Brandstetter of the Wild Business Growth Podcast for producing this episode. You can reach him at max at hippodirect.com to help bring your podcast to life. Let's open the playbook. Ready, break. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining the Marketing Playbook podcast. I'm your host, Mark Friedman, and today's guest is Patty Steele. Patty is a legendary figure in the radio broadcast industry. She's worked alongside some of radio's most iconic personalities, such as Elvis Duran, Scott Shannon, Danny Bonaducci, and John Lander. As a co host to all of the above, Patty brought her insights, humor, and sincerity to a medium where longevity is solely equated with massive listenership. When Patty speaks, the audience listens and responds. Patty, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so, so much. I'm delighted.
1: Well, I'm really happy to have you. And as I, I mentioned, I'm a bit nervous. Um, you know, I'm not a radio guy. You you are a radio person and, and personality and have been for a very long time. Uh, but because of your uh, your personality and your temperament, you've made this very easy for me. So thank oh, you for that. Oh, you're
0: very sweet. Well, you know, um, the great thing about what we do is the longer you're in it, the more you realize that all you're doing is just having a great conversation. You're just talking. So, And you're good at that, so put away the worry about about a microphone sticking in your face or anything else and just have a conversation because you are really good at that. I know
1: you. <laughs> well, thank you very much. So we're recording today on uh, April 6th in uh, 2020, and mm-hmm. we have lots going on in the world oh. today. Um, you know, you've been on the radio for a long time. And, and uh, remind me, uh, what station were you on uh, 9-11? Uh,
0: I was at WPLJ with Scott Shannon and Todd Pettengill.
1: Right. And um, I I know as a listener back then, um, you know, everything changed for you then going from, you know, the kind of entertainment that you were doing. And today it feels like, you know, a lot different. You know, there's a lot more entertainment. But tell me how you guys have changed up what you're doing, not only from the physical perspective, but the actual content of the show.
0: Do you mean with the advent of COVID-19 or just in general over the years?
1: Uh, COVID-19, sorry.
0: I think it's really important to understand, and Scott and I have discussed this uh, a lot. It's important for us to remember that people come to stations like CBS FM because they're looking for a little bit of an escape. Doesn't mean they don't want the information. It means they don't want it ad nauseum and in an upsetting manner. So what we try to do is we try to give a constant, hopefully a constant enough update on what's happening we throw in a little bit of humor and we share things that we're doing in our everyday lives and that we know other people are doing in their everyday lives to get through this. I was talking about the fact that I went to Whole Foods yesterday, you know, wrapped in gloves and masks and everything. And I have to admit, I got a little weepy there. And I was like, wow, I'm not a depressed person, but there was a sadness there, you know, walking through the aisles with a lot of produce, but not everything I was looking for. <laughs> and, and I thought, man, this, we're all going through this thing together and yet everything feels lonely. There were just a handful cause they only let a few people at a time in the store. And so it becomes more and more incumbent upon us to help people realize that we're feeling the same things, but also give them something to laugh about. I love all these these family groups that are like on TikTok and places like that that are putting out these, you know, family uh, performances. Whether I saw one on TikTok with these guys doing um, the whatever family Olympics and each member of the family, they put like a glass in the refrigerator water dispenser and they had to drink quicker than the glass was filling so it didn't Mm. overflow and and then somebody won that away. i mean they have a bunch of and i think it's giving people that opportunity to realize okay there is a way through this that's essential and some of that is giving them good interesting facts and figures and news from you know some of the guests we've had like um dr oz and and our former Homeland Security um, Secretary, Jay Johnson, people like that who can say, okay, here are the facts. You know, don't read all of the, the really upsetting headlines, but take a minute to realize this is what's going on and here's how we can protect ourselves and here's how they're working to protect us. So I think that's really our job primarily is to help people through this emotionally, and and give them good, solid knowledge, and then just say, we're in it with you, play some great music, just talk to each other.
1: Right. Dr. Oz has been uh, great. And, you know, I'm a, a listener uh, most days.
0: Uh, uh, so I
1: think you, you know, you have done a, a good job at balancing the entertainment with uh, the information and that's tough. And, you know, sometimes we forget that, you know, your, your radio personalities or TV personalities, you know, you're human, you know, you have families, um, where yeah. fellow New Jersey residents, um, I should have asked at the top, uh, how are you doing? How's your family doing?
0: We're all healthy. We're all doing well. I'm incredibly impressed with my, two of my three kids are here. They both were in college and obviously came home. And I say I'm impressed with them because this is a trying time for anybody, much less a 20-year-old kid and a 21-year-old kid who, you know, my daughter is getting ready to graduate. This was the end of her college years and that's gone now you know it's going to be online and my son had just joined a fraternity in the fall and uh, did all of the hazing and pledging that he had to do back then and so this was going to be his hurrah and here he is and they're being remarkably good about it but I'm also big on giving him some space like I tell them if you don't want to eat dinner at the same time or you don't want to watch all the TV shows or movies that <laughs> I want to watch, or you don't want to walk the dog with me. You don't have to. And they've been really good. We've been trying to give, all, you know, each other room to um, breathe. And yet at the same time, finding things to do together.
1: Right. And you're doing your work remotely as well. And Scott Shannon is in Florida yeah. and, and you're in New Jersey and yes, that's so about gotta, it now, right? Just you two. Yes, it's just
0: us right now. And I had a major problem with my equipment this morning. So I was only able to do, you know, maybe not quite, probably two thirds of the show before it all... um crapped out on me and uh (laughs) that means probably what i'm gonna have to do this later this afternoon is drive that thing into the city and get it replaced so i can be back on the air tomorrow morning but um honestly and i tell people this on facebook who message me i probably get more than i give by being on every day because it gives a structure i'm an incredibly curious person so it gives me a place to talk about the things that I've discovered. And I just, I love the love of listeners. I love the feedback. You know, I know a lot of people in the radio business who kind of keep at arm's length from listeners. I'm not like that. I, I love them. And I know that they're the reason that we do this. You know, I, I'm so delighted when I get to know people, like I've gotten to know you, you, you sort of have also been there for us charitably and everything else. And what an incredibly delightful person with great information, I might add. I was calling <laughs> my field producer. So I, you know, man, that's why I do it. I would be broken hearted if they said to me tomorrow, hey, no new equipment. You can take the next two months off. I would be broken hearted.
1: Right. So, you know, I was going to ask this later in the interview, but it's a, it's a good segue. You know, uh, being in your business and having worked with so many different shows over time. Right. You know the nature of the the media business is success and failure. So right. how how do you do? Uh, how do you handle the the? I don't want to call it the failure, but inevitably you're hired to get fired in the radio business. <laughs> um, it it seems that right. It seems that way anyway. It's a very competitive space. So you know, talk a little bit about you know as the your career has progressed, the times when somebody has said you know they come in and they have said, well, we're done. How yeah. do you feel there, and then how do you move on to the next place?
0: You know, I'm a, I'm really, um, and it's kind of a weird, uh, no, it's, I'm not going to say weird. I actually, it's the thing that I treasure most about myself. I'm a forward-looking person. I don't, no regrets. I think we learn from everything, and um, whether it's from, you know, being fired, getting sick, having other issues in your life, to me, every moment That something is handed to you that you're tempted to go holy crap what just happened to me is a moment when you can say okay what can i learn from this where do i take this now and i have never failed to be delighted with that learning process you move on i mean i left wplj after 11 years and never listened again I moved on, went back to doing news after that, loved, loved, loved that job. So that when Scott moved over to CBS FM and called me, I wasn't so sure I wanted to go. And it was like shocking to him. He was like, are you're over on that little AM station door. No, why wouldn't you want to go? And I was like, you don't understand me, Scott. I I love these people. I love what I'm learning here. It's a very peaceful atmosphere so i know clearly i eventually decided it would be a good move for me and it has been but um i think the biggest mistake we can ever make in life is to define ourselves by our present situation we're all more than that and so you have an opportunity to move on you move on and you find something new and fresh might not pay as well for a little while, but that's okay because there's always something to be gained and something to be learned from it. And I'm, I'm proud to say that I have been continuously employed in New York City since about 1988. I have always found my services to be wanted by the next. And I think that's part of it. I don't think you, you know, you sit around and you bitch about what's happened. What's the point of that? You know, take the lesson, move on.
1: Well, that's, a, that's, that's perfect because, uh, you know, part of the, the theme of, of the show that I'm trying to do is, you know, to give uh, listeners, you know, three key takeaways that they can bring back to their personal life or, you know, to their business. And, and I think what you just called out is, is a really uh, important one and, and moving on. And, and also, uh, honestly, seemingly, you're not the only person that stopped listening to PLJ uh, after you left.
0: Um, I I think a lot of others uh,
1: stopped stopped listening uh, at that point too, but we'll come back to uh, that. Talk to me a little bit about how you got into radio. You know, how how did you, did you grow up thinking, geez, I'm going to be on the radio?
0: Never once. (laughs) I grew up in a household. um, First of all, my dad put himself through law school playing jazz piano So he would come home every night and that was kind of his relaxation, sit down and just play. And it was wonderful. My mother um, had studied opera and was a really terrific singer. So she was singing or or very festive, happy person. She was singing around the house all the time. And there wasn't a lot of room for like pop radio for us. So, you know, I didn't really think about that. I kind of thought that I wanted to get into law. And maybe I was fascinated by sort of the international thing. And I thought, well, that would be really interesting. And then, and this happens to so many kids when they go to college. I got to college and I was studying all this stuff. And then this really cute guy (laughs) said to me, you really should uh, work at the college radio station. I was also taking some acting classes because I'd done that throughout school. And so I thought, I said, look, that kind of would be fun because it's a vocal exercise. So I went in and, and I kind of really enjoyed it. And um, so I started working on a journalism degree at that point. And then one day I was, I think, a junior or sophomore in college. And Somebody said to me, and you'll laugh at this, because this was a long time ago. Somebody said to me, have you ever thought about doing an internship? And I was like, I thought interns were doctors. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't a big thing back in the early 80s. So I um, found out more about it. And I just called up a bunch of TV and radio stations in New York and just said, I'm going to be home at Christmas time." And I would love to come in and just chat with you about your job. So I got to talk from, to everybody from like the president of NBC um, network sales. I got to talk to the program director at, you know, some of the big pop stations in New York, WABC being one of them in their, as it turned out there last year. And I went in and this guy said to me, hey, how would you like to do an internship here this summer? And i like, sure. So I worked there and got tremendous support from the people that worked there, including um, Dan Ingram was the afternoon disc jockey. Mm. And he just really liked me. And he said, let me hear a tape of you. And so I had from my college station. And he next day says to me, oh, my God. He said, I thought you were going to sound like some little girl. And he said, you, you're amazing. And he said, you know, you have a future. And you don't know what that means to a kid. You're insecure, you're, you know, 19 years old and you're thinking, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And that was really, that really inspired me. He gave me a lot of good, a lot of good advice. And eventually when I was ready to graduate, wrote um, letters of recommendation for me. And I was offered two jobs as I was graduating. One was at an, a French language magazine in Senegal. And that terrified me on two counts. It was, what, you know, three 4,000 miles away from home, and it was French, and I wasn't really secure of my ability to do that, so I went for the radio job <laughs> that I was offered, and I have been uh, steadily employed ever since, thankfully.
1: So, was, uh, was that on air?
0: Uh, yes, yeah. I was working in St. Louis, Missouri. That was the first place that offered me a job, and I worked there for a couple of years, and then I moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And then from there, I was working in Washington D.C. and Baltimore, and then from there came to New York. Um, Scott asked me to come up and do like morning show fill-in, and um, he was—he knew my husband very well. They had worked in radio together in Washington before either one of them knew me.
1: Was that G one hundred?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the, so I went up there, and then um, he's he also maybe six months later wanted my husband to come up there and join the programming team there which he did and went on to program that station z100 for 10 years i worked at z100 doing everything from being a disc jockey to working on the morning show i spent a lot of time with elvis we became best friends and i would do entertainment reports on his show and then i was asked to go down to philadelphia to a sister station because they needed someone uh, for mornings with uh, John Lander. And so I went down there, and right after we got there, Danny Bonaducci became available. And at that point, he was just kind of emerging from all the problems associated with growing up being Danny Bonaducci. Yeah. But the show was wildly successful. We were there for two years, and I commuted back and forth. And then they moved the whole show to Z100. But it, it was less, I don't know if it was less of a New Yorky show. I don't know what the deal was, but we, um, it on that only lasted for about a year. John, or year and a half, I think. And then John left and went to, he went to Boston and I stayed on, worked with another guy named Steve Cochran, who was wonderful, but a new, my husband left to go to K-Rock and a new program director came in and... He wanted Elvis and I to do mornings together, but then because of various legal entanglements with my husband leaving that uh, radio station, I lost my job, which Hmm. I was broken hearted because I kind of thought, well, I do morning radio, top 40 morning radio. This is the apex, you know, Z100, how I can't go anywhere from here. And that was the last time that I felt bad about losing a job because I immediately got a call from CBSAM to do news. And I was at first shocked. I said, I've never worked at a news station. I'm a music radio chick. And a um, guy named Harvey Negler was there. And he said, no, no, you're going to be great. So for two years, I worked there. And it was like going to graduate school. It was fascinating. And it taught me so much about not just about news and about a whole different part of our business, but it taught me something about myself that I could, I would never be afraid again about losing a job because I hadn't realized how vast the world is and how many, different places and opportunities you have and that i think is was the big takeaway for me is that think outside the box don't be afraid to try something new and fresh and different because you just might find a that you're going to learn a lot from it and b that you love it so i always feel like there's a million different opportunities i've done everything now from news radio to talk radio which i love podcasting music radio and um When I lost my job after 11 years at PLJ, it was very funny because I went in and the general manager said, I can't even believe I have to do this, but I won't go into it. It was a variety of personality issues. Um, He said, you know, the morning show wants to make a change. And I was like, wow, okay. And then I just felt like, yes, <laughs> I need this change. I need this. I was so delighted. And by the time I walked out of his office, he said to me, he started talking to me. He said, I don't even know if they're going to keep me forever. This new company's coming in. And, and, he, and so I said, no. I said, hey, listen, you always have an opportunity to try something fresh and new. Don't worry about it. And as I walked out, he said, this is the weirdest experience I've ever had firing somebody, he said, you've made me feel better.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, you know, there yeah. there's sometimes in our lives, I think, um, and and I'm sure our listeners will, will have had this as well, you know, you kind of don't know when you're burnt out on on something. Yeah. You know, totally. and, and I don't I don't know if you were, but you know, sometimes that
0: I was really unhappy. And the funny part of it is, is then they called me like two days later. And I hadn't finished yet. I was supposed to work for, this was the beginning of, end of July, beginning of August. I was supposed to work until like mid-August. And the GM called me and he said, oh my God, we ran this past sales. And because I have always done a lot of endorsement work, he said, they're like, no, no, we have her book for sales through December. And got all panicked. And he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I don't have another job yet. And I said I'll, I'm more than happy to stay on until it, that changes. And he said, "Really?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, you, "I said you guys have been good to me. I am delighted to do what I can." And those four months were my best, my best there because I didn't worry about the personality issues that I had worried about before, because it was all done. I mean, I knew there was an end date. And right before it was, I remember Thanksgiving weekend, someone in sales in management called me and said, I need you to know that the guys are going to ask you to stay on everybody's realized how um, you're performing so great and everybody's realized how much we need you both in sales and programming. And, and so they're going to ask you to stay on. And I went, really? And we called from home some of the industry papers that night and said, could you please announce tomorrow that Patty's leaving? Mm. So I went into work and they were, well, you know, you're all over the industry papers today because apparently you bought a radio station, which we had down in Florida and says, you're leaving us. And I said, well, you knew I was leaving. You've known that for three months. And they said, yeah, and they didn't have anybody to replace me. So it was an interesting, right. But I just knew I needed that to happen because I knew at that point there was no way I was going to stay.
1: So you've been um, on some shows for very extended times. And, you know, there's um, others, you know, it's almost it feels like a family. Mm -hmm. So how have you had to adapt your own style and your own personality? You know, you worked with, uh, you know, at Z100 and there were, you know, you, you walked us through a number of people there. Then you were on PLJ. Highly successful show, uh, Scott and Todd were there together, I think 20 years, yeah, there, was somebody, plus, right? yeah, there was somebody that was a predecessor in your role, Naomi mm-hmm. Di Clemente, um, yep. who I remember listening to, and now you've been in a couple of iterations at CBS FM, it, it feels like. How, how is that whole family thing play out?
0: Well, I think the important thing that you have to realize, my dog's running around if you're hearing noise in the background,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody that's working from home has got either yeah. a dog or a kid. Around.
0: Dogs, cats, whatever, <laughs> kids. I think the important thing in what I do, and I think this is true. I don't care what you do in life. Um, even though I talk for a living, I think the most important thing you can do is also listen. So in that um, That particular iteration at um, PLJ, it was a very um, sort of a difficult room to work in. So what you, you, and for better or for worse, what you wind up doing is you try to adjust how you respond to things based on that sort of room dynamic. And some people do that better than others. Some do it longer than they should. That was me. Hmm. But I think... It's not always, oh, you know what, I, I take that back. I was going to say it's not always a family. It is always a family. And some families are more difficult than others. And um, that was a difficult family for me after a while. Well, actually, right from the beginning. But <laughs> you deal
1: with it. You know, and it's interesting because as a listener, you know, I, I it didn't feel that way. You know, it didn't really ever come through, at least for me, in mm-hmm. the radio. It, it sounded like everybody you know, got along. It was clear that there were different expertise, you know, by each of the, you know, the folks in the room and, and coming through on the radio. But, you know, I felt comfortable, you know, being a listener and I know well, lots of other job. people did, you know.
0: You know, like they say, the show must go on. That's your job. Your job is to get in there and do the job you have to do, whether the world is crumbling around you from, you know, whether it's a terror attack or it's a illness like we're facing now, or it's a difficult room to work in. Your job, until you decide you're not gonna do it anymore, is to make the listener feel as good as possible when they're listening to you about, not only what's going on, but about the relationship and the people in the room. The thing that's been good for me at CBS is, with Just Scott, is that he can drive me nuts, and he (laughs) knows it. My family knows it, but I also love him deeply. You know, he's an unusual individual and you have to appreciate that. I feel incredibly blessed to have worked with him through three different Scott Shannon iterations, sure. you know, in the early days of Z 100 when he was a wild man and admittedly had some substance issues to PLJ where he was, you know, a dad and trying to, you know, manage that part of his life to this part where um, amazingly he's had tremendous success here. I mean, more so ratings-wise than he had in all the years he was a PLJ. And he has mellowed and he's grateful for that success and much more loving to work with. So um, it's been really interesting to see him change over all those years so uh, yeah that probably is the biggest sort of family thing for me i would say also my relationship with elvis duran is also family we've been very close for 30 years i've been through so much with him in his early years to his tremendous success now now he's married with at the wedding last fall you know and seeing him blossom just as a person, you know, emotionally and spiritually, let alone his career obviously speaks for itself, so. Yeah,
1: well, you've been uh, very lucky and you've been a part of some uh, really long uh, standing shows and, and to do it in New York for as many years um, as you have, as competitive a market and as much as it's changed uh, over the years. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about change. So, you know, during your time in New York, uh, the terrestrial uh, radio, as it was called, you know, has mm-hmm. changed, um, and sure. you know, we have uh, Sirius and, and all. Uh, has that changed the way you play your role or the work that you do?
0: Well, you know, I think it's, I think it's important not to get too caught up in second-guessing what it is you do. I think that for us, you know, first and foremost, you've got to stay on message. You've got to love who you're talking to. You've got to really share as much as you possibly can with them, both from a, the personal honesty standpoint to information that you gather. And I think it's important not to constantly question what other, you know, whether it's another radio station, um, another medium I think it's really important to just stay true to yourself. That said, you also have to understand how ratings are gathered and that's changed us, I would say almost more because now it's, it's so easy for them to read. Like if somebody just gets bored with what you're talking about or doesn't like a song, man, they hit the button. If they have one of those measuring devices that Nielsen sends out, they know the minute you change stations. So it's really important that you watch the clock, that you cut, you're more concise, that you try to constantly keep aware of what it is they're listening to you for, and do your best. So it's changed in that sense, and I, you know, and I always have to hand it to somebody like Howard Stern, who my husband, you know, worked with him for many, many years. He changed the industry for us in so many sure. ways because sure. he just he just was a real person instead of the days of the DJs doing the blah, 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 you know, he just really had real conversations. Not all of them were the kind of conversations I necessarily wanted to listen in on, but real conversations that really, um, I think, had a tremendous impact on all of our ability to get out there and just be ourselves and share. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's evolved you know, more or less because of the way people consume and, and also the way there have been people like Howard who came in and just really stepped up the game.
1: The devil's in the details. You've probably heard that phrase time and time again in your professional life. Projects get started with great intentions, but you no longer have the time to pay attention to the little things that can make the difference between success and failure. At Details Interactive, you can discuss your business with a seasoned direct-to-consumer marketing executive who has helped launch and grow web businesses and integrate multi-channel marketing initiatives. Learn more at detailsinteractive.com. Where do you think radio goes? You know, as you know, um, I, I don't follow so much. You know, the demographic of, of uh-huh. who's listening to. Uh, you know, non-digital uh, radio, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my kids are not listening to radio. I have 26 year old, right. you know, kids. Yeah. So wh- where does radio evolve to uh, going forward?
0: Well, it's interesting. I remember maybe, Oh God, at least 10 years ago going to um, this conference um, and there were advertisers there. And I remember this one guy saying, you know, in the future, these big radio companies are going to have to stop identifying themselves simply as radio companies mm. and think of themselves as communications companies. And radio will be one finger of that. I see that tremendously because I, I'm a big podcast consumer. So I have actually fallen in love with that medium. You know, I, I guess I the way I look at it is, You consume your audio wherever it is you want to consume it. But to me, the big mistake would be for people to think that audio on its own is tired or old. I think to me, it's the most exciting medium. I worked in television as well. And the thing that I love about radio and that I love about podcasting, audio, is it is so intimate. It's so you have this opportunity to just crawl inside somebody's ear, and create a picture for them that is so much more vibrant than if you slam on the screen a, a, a shot of something. You know, if if I say to you, just imagine the moat. I'm a tree person. Imagine the most beautiful tree you've ever seen. Picture it in the spring, pictured in the midst of summer, pictured in in the fall, and even in the winter, what does that look like to you? You pose that question, and every one of us have a little bit of a different sense than if I just said, oh, here's a really nice tree. It doesn't engage your ability to create inside your own mind the way audio does. And I think, in some ways, the competitive nature of our business now has actually made us have to get better it's like kind of like tv before there was cable you know you had all this sure. crap and once cable came in and these and they started producing these really great shows network television had to step up its game It had to be better it's the same with us get better be a better storyteller because the one thing that differentiates you is your ability to tell a story You know, yes, a lot of places can play music and a lot of places can yak, yak, yak and tell you the news or whatever. But if you can engage people and you can make people say, wow, I want to hear their take on that, then you're gold.
1: Yeah, you know? I think you used the word that I was uh, going to jump in on, uh, storyteller. I think that's the thing that differentiates, yeah. you know, the folks that I listen to and, and what you have the, you know, the great opportunity every morning to, to tell your stories and, and you're, there's that personal connection. You talk a little bit about your family and, and, you know, people talk about their family and the things that are going on and, and the stresses that are going on in your life. And that makes you, you know, a real person to the people on the other end of the radio.
0: There are, there are mornings, you know, like Scott will be telling a story. He's a very emotional guy and he'll get tears in his eyes. And I like to point that out hmm. because people will sit there. They can't see him, but I'll say, look at you. You got tears in your eyes. And I know that people are going, wow, Scott's crying. What's, you know, and they're like imagining in their head what it looks like to see Scott Shannon with tears coming down his face. You know, I think that's all part of it. It's a, it is. It's a you know. It's simple storytelling at that point. It's simply saying things that create again go back to creating a picture in people's minds.
1: Yeah, and you you said something earlier. You know, it's sometimes I think people in the entertainment industry or in sports, you know, people that are in the public uh, persona don't really understand what they mean to people that are following their careers and watching them do what they do. Right. You know, even a guy like uh, you know Scott, or you know, in in your role, um, you know, there have been people that have listened to you all for a long time. They they've grown up with your kids. They've been through all kinds of things, and we'll come come to some of that shortly. So um, you know, it's it's great that you're uh, that you you have that gift of the story. But you know, you've been involved in a lot of different music uh, options. I would assume you're a uh, a music fan. What do you like to listen to in your spare time?
0: Um, I'm really, um, I eh, eclectic. I love everything from jazz to classical music. I love, uh, yacht rock. (laughs) My (laughs) kids were making fun of me the other night. We were sitting around the table in one of these, like, I don't know what time life, you know, they had like ambrosia and all things. Like, like, <laughs> and they're going, Oh my God, you would buy that. Wouldn't you? And I went, yeah, well, except that you can't download it. They're only selling it on CD and I don't have any CD players <laughs> except in my car. And they said, fine, just play it in your car.
1: <laughs> you still have a CD player in your car. Only in
0: my car. Yeah. I like, I really wanted that because I have a bunch of CDs that I like to be able to access. And, um, and so I stick them in there and listen to the same thing over and over again sometimes. But, um, so I like all kinds of different
1: music. I'm, right. uh, and are you a concert goer? Uh,
0: some, yes. When I was younger, um, and I was at Z100 and my husband was then at, both at Z100 and at K-Rock. We were at concerts all the time because he was a program director. And so, in, you know, he was very, very important in the, music industry to sell him on a record was essential because whether it was being added at Z-100 or it was being added to K-Rock, you know, so it, it, they were going to so many concerts. I burned out on it a little. And then I had kids and I was like, I'll stay home. Feel free to keep going to the concerts. Right. Um, but I do like them very much. I There's sometimes a hassle to go to. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, sure. Getting there and you yeah, know, the crowd. Yeah, the noise
0: and uh, in the parking and all of that. That just
1: means we're getting old, Patty.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Except that I will go and hike in the woods forever. I don't mind that. I I think um, I'm less of a, and these days, I guess that's healthy. I'm not a big crowd person. I wasn't right. even when I was a kid. I was not a person that went to clubs a lot. I went to concerts and I went to things, but you know, it was never, I was never like a you know, wild, groupie or anything right,
1: right. about you. You, uh, you talked earlier about your uh, about loving podcasts, and and you have your own podcast. You want to tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, well, it's um, it's interesting because it's evolved. I've done, I did a podcast called News on the Rocks for a long time with Wayne Cabot from CBS AM, and basically. What it is, is we get together and we usually have some adult beverage we sip and then talk to interesting people about newsy things. But Wayne was assigned to a whole new thing at work, and our podcasts were always recorded right after we both got off the air in the morning, and he was assigned to new stuff for CBS News. And so I said, okay, well, maybe I'll take this over myself. And I took a break for a while and then just recently started doing new ones and what i've discovered is the thing i love most is sort of i'm a big history lover and i read tons of biographies and what i've discovered is how much i love understanding where people come from we all start in one place and as we move through life all these different experiences inform how we move forward and where we go to. And, and that really fascinates me. So I've been sort of concentrating on individuals because I think that I love personal stories and they don't necessarily have to be celebrity personal stories. I love, I, I met a guy at my cousin's house who was um, just this wonderful, funny lovely character. And as we talked, I could tell that he had been very active in the financial world. And we talked about that a little bit. We talked about the whole addiction uh, field because I, as I've just shared on my podcast, my I have a son who went through a pretty serious addiction um, and is now blessedly three years in terrific recovery and back in college, straight A's. So we talked about that a little bit. And and that was that. And the next week, my cousin, whose house I'd been at when I met him, called me and said, would you like to do a podcast with him? And I said, well, he's a really funny, interesting guy, but what's he got to talk about? And she said, well, when he was really active in the financial world, he was a woman. And chose in his mid 40s, well not chose, finally, as he put it in the podcast, um, he said, I couldn't walk in those shoes anymore, as I had all my life, and I needed to make that transition. Um, And what a beautiful story he told. And what a loving person asked about I asked him about his family. And he, he said, you know, they're really good to me. It's a struggle for them. But he said, honestly, Patty, it took me 45 years to transition. How unfair would I be to ask them to do it overnight? And he said, so we, we are together, we celebrate holidays together. He said, I know that it's still a struggle for them, but I am blessed that they, they love me and they are working to feel at peace with that. And I just love that story. I love the, he told the whole story growing up. It was very funny, actually. We were a lot of raucous laughter
1: I wish there were greater venues more venues to showcase stories like that you know especially now with what everything is going through and you know the, yeah. the stories around healthcare workers and oh, um, yeah. you know my, uh, my daughter's boyfriend is a healthcare worker and and just paying attention to everybody that's out there. I have a bunch of friends that are doctors and I've been texting them and, you know, the lack of equipment and, you know, the things that they are doing every day to take care of of the Mm -hmm. ill. And there's, you know, thousands of stories, but we don't quite have those venues. So, you know, hopefully there'll be more of that um, going forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let's, let's talk, you mentioned earlier, you went through an illness um, I, I think it was fairly public. You know, you talked about it on the radio. Oh, and yeah. I think I, <laughs> I think I mentioned this to you in, in uh, our prep. I don't know why, but I remember exactly where I was when you made your first announcement on the yeah, show. I... And um, so, so tell us uh, about that.
0: Well, I think it's really amazing that you were sitting in the car with your dad, who was um, waiting to, I guess, go into a doctor. About... Yeah, that's right. know how much you want to go into but um yeah um it was breast cancer and i and again i'm not an alarmist i never think anything is going to be wrong with me so i just happened to feel a lump i mean i'd had a mammogram probably maybe 18 months before so i was a little overdue and i felt a lump and thought "Eh, that's probably nothing and then three weeks went by and i thought you know you sit there on the air and you tell people, Oh, it's so important to get your, I should probably go in and check it out. So I went in and my doctor said, um, I think it would be a good idea to get a diagnostic mammogram. He said, I don't feel like it's necessarily anything, but you never know. So he sent me in and I got that. And then they sent me into another room to do a, um, sonogram. And I will never forget that moment sitting on the table at the hospital Um, The doctor, this doctor I'd never met, walked in to look at the screen and he's like, oh, hello, big smile, you know, and he looks at the screen and smile completely disappeared. And I went, Mm. oh God, here we go. And they sent me immediately in to do a biopsy and then a series of, you know, over the days that followed, phone calls and you know, everything else. And then Scott and his wife, um, she's very active with the Breast Cancer Alliance up in uh, Connecticut and Westchester. And she said, let me have them call you and talk to you about who you should go to, which they did. And so I went into Mount Sinai to the Dubin Breast Center there. And to Elisa Port, who is just the most remarkable woman. She's She runs a breast center. She was my breast surgeon. And man, boom, boom, boom. pushed through it. Doesn't pull any punches, but which is really interesting because she has a way of breaking bad news to you, but in a very, okay, here's how we're going to do this kind of a way. And I like that. I don't want anybody to say... I think you'll be okay. I want somebody to say, this is what's going on. This is what you're probably going to have to go through. And here's where we're going to wind up. And um, long story, well, not too short, but somewhat short. (laughs) Went through the whole experience and just felt like in more ways than I can possibly explain to you that it was a remarkably positive experience. And again, you know, it's that eyes forward kind of mentality I think that helped me through that but um, because you don't look back and say oh I wish this didn't happen or what did I do wrong you say okay here's what we're dealing with here's how we're going to go through it I do a lot of public speaking about it because I feel like it gave me a sense of personal strength and understanding of myself and of difficulties in life that are irreplaceable I watched my entire family my husband my daughter my sons just you know rally to the cause i did go through some a few months later um some real addiction issues with my oldest son while i was on chemotherapy which was interesting (laughs) but you know you get handed these um challenges in life and you can either say oh i guess i've got to fall down and crumble or you can say okay Another opportunity to learn, and that became a concurrent learning uh, process. But, you know, I'm healthy now. It's been um, going on six years um, since I felt that lump.
1: (laughs) Well, you were very gracious uh, to be public about it. I'm sure that there are many women out there that were listeners or husbands that were listeners with their um, significant others that you know talked about it, and I'm sure that uh, you know you helped some people on the way. Oh, so I, you know, thank you for doing that.
0: I can't even tell you. No, it was helpful to me. I can't tell you how many messages I got from people who either at the same time or in the ensuing months and years were going through it and would reach out to me. For some thoughts and some just encouragement and support. I mean, wh- what are we all here for? You know, I always say we're life is short. We're here for the blink of an eye. It doesn't matter if you live to be forty-five or you live to be hundred and ten. It's still a blink of an eye when you consider life. What we have here is an opportunity to gather knowledge, to learn, and then most importantly, share that with other people. And if you've done that, that's a successful life. Not about length. It's about what you do with what you're given.
1: It's about quality, not quantity, right?
0: Wow, totally, totally. It's a good thing to know in any aspect of your life, you know, you have that, you have that opportunity to take it, learn from it and run with it or not. And I think it's essential that we figure out a way to, to go with it.
1: So we're getting down to the end of the time here. I, I uh, want to let you get back to your day. But before we, we go, uh, we do this two-minute drill, kind of keeping to the theme of the marketing playbook and, and my football theme. Um, I've got a couple of questions for you. Actually, there are seven first words that come into your mind, okay?
0: And I have to, and I have to like keep it to like one short answer. I can't Yes.
1: Like, I, I know that that's going to make believe Scott is sitting across the uh, <laughs> the board and he's saying to you, come on, hurry up. Okay. Right. All right. Here we go. Um, a brand that you admire or that inspires you. This is like, it's such a
0: goofy answer. Whole foods, just because I like the, I like the cleanness and I like the freshness and I love produce and all that fresh stuff. So that's, that was first
1: thing I would think of. Okay. And you're just trying to get them to deliver to you tomorrow, probably, <laughs> right. right?
0: Well, I actually <laughs> went there yesterday in full mask and gloves and everything, but there right. there you go. Uh,
1: the favorite app on your phone?
0: Oh, man. Let me think. I love to daydream about houses and travel, so I love Realtor.com, Home Away. I love Twitter for news, also Reddit, um, and Vivino for um, wine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay we're not going to go there okay and,
0: and I and I and I love uh YouTube it's really fun <laughs> there's so much that it want.
1: is the last website other than Amazon that you shopped from
0: Sundance catalog
1: okay oh I have some friends there they're going to appreciate that love, very much I
0: love, love beautiful cl- in fact the dress I'm wearing right now I don't know if you can see it but I'm showing you through the camera a little lacy okay. dress
1: that's Very right. nice. I, I have, uh, like I said, I have a few friends there. Um, I will make sure that they listen uh, to this and listen to their shout out.
0: Yeah. Clothing, house stuff. I love it.
1: That's great. Something that you're not good at, but that you wish that you were.
0: Oh boy. First of all, personal organization. But I would say in general, I love art. I'm a, I could sit and stare at paintings for an hour and look at all the beautiful little nuances. I can barely, I draw like I'm in first grade. (laughs) Some first graders are better than me.
1: Okay. A charitable organization that you're passionate about.
0: Well, I do a lot of public speaking. Um, I support the breast cancer Alliance up in, in Greenwich and Westchester. I love them. And a variety of other, um, cancer charities. There's a place up in Connecticut at Danbury, associated with Danbury a hospital called Anne's Place that is the most exquisitely beautiful organization. Love that. And um and a bunch of different addiction issues that I I love. I also love reading. So I love anything that encourages kids to read and I love animals. So I'm giving you two answers. I know that.
1: <laughs> right. No, that's okay. And I and I know that you uh and, and Scott have been very involved for a lot of years at Blythale uh oh, Children's Hospital.
0: Of oh Boy, top of the list. I'm sorry. I should have said that right off the bat. Love Blythedale. Love Larry Levine, who um, runs that place. What a beautiful and special organization that is.
1: That's right. Um, If you had one superpower, what would it be? Time travel. Okay. History
0: lover. I I can never get enough information about the people and the places and the moments that I read about. I want to dive deeply, but I want to see it in front of me desperately. So that's about it. Okay. A
1: and then lastly, other than family, what's your most prized possession?
0: You know what? It's funny. Stuff doesn't really do it for me, but um I would say I, as a little girl, well, before I was even born, my dad bought a farm on top of a mountain up in Northern Pennsylvania, big piece of land with a 200 year old house and a barn, but very small house, very simple. It's not like some grand Connecticut house. It is, you know, a very simple, tiny little house and a beautiful 200 year old barn. And there's a lake and we're on top of the mountains looking out over the mountains. To me, my dad left that to me. I, it is the place I go to be able to breathe. It taught me my love for nature. It taught my kids their love for nature. It is the simplest place in the world and also the most beautiful place in the world to me.
1: Well, that you're ending this with a wonderful picture and a story for uh, the folks that are listening. So Patty, where can people find you on social media?
0: Uh, You can find me on Facebook at um, Patty Steele CBS. Um, You can find me on Instagram. I should know this right off the top of my head, but it's on my phone. My daughter (laughs) put it on my phone, but I think it's just playing Patty Steele CBS.
1: And on the podcast, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, and I also have, if you want to hear my podcast, but there's nothing new been presented recently, um, too recently, simply because of the what's been going on, but I'm going to get back to that uh, pretty quick here. You can just go to pattysteel.com, P-A-T-T-Y-S-T-E-E-L-E.com. And you'll see something that will say, listen now, but down below it'll list some of the other recent podcasts. But I have about four in the um, on track, ready to release. So I'll be doing that really soon.
1: Well, we'll be listening. And uh, thank you again for doing this. Uh, Stay well and and be healthy to you and and to your family. And and thank you for uh, waking uh, so many New Yorkers up at the uh, sound of the harp at 6 a.m. And, uh, you know, I'll continue to be listening.
0: Well, thank you for waking up for me.
1: (laughs) All right. That's it. Today's game ball goes to Patty Steele for coming on the Marketing Playbook. To me, today's three game winning marketing plays were as follows. Number one. Listening is just as important as talking. Be a good listener and let the others in the room have their time to speak. You'll gain trust from your peers, and you might actually be able to be better informed as to what to say next. Number two, just as Patty must know who her listeners are, if you're running a brand, you need to know your customers. Don't worry so much about what other brands are doing. Focus on your own personal connection to your customers. Stay true to yourself or your brand. Those that win are the ones that can tell the best story, about their value proposition and number three patty described how she's a forward-looking person we do in fact learn from every stop along the way in our careers whether you get fired or you get sick or you change jobs on your own take a lesson with you on to your next stop and in the uncertain times right now if you've lost your job or do so in the future use it as an opportunity to start something fresh thank you playbook marketers for listening to another episode If you want to check out more pages of the Marketing Playbook, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast spot and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Details Interact and learn more at detailsinteractive.com. Until next time, the devil is in the details.